This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversation with hosts Leah Lem and Dr. Anthony Stately. COVID-19 Community Conversation is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anine, hello, I'm Leah Lem. And I'm Anthony Stately. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Miigwech, and thank you all for joining us. Yes, we are back again with another conversation. Bujou, Dr. Anthony Stately. Hi, Leah. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm glad to be chatting with you again. You bring your expertise to these conversations as the head of the Native American Community Clinic in Minneapolis. And additionally, today... We'll hear from experts working closely with the health of our young ones and the pandemic as well. Yeah, we're, uh, many families are thinking about going back to school. School is right around the corner. Uh, another year mm-hmm. of school is about to start, which brings in a lot of challenges around decision-making for families. Absolutely. We are still in a pandemic, still trying to be good relatives to one another, trying to keep one another safe and healthy. And Anthony, as you can probably tell, I am under the weather, feeling pretty crummy. I do have COVID. I tested positive a couple days ago, just got back from a great vacation where I was away from everybody. Mm-hmm. I saw <laughs> in, I saw a picture yeah, of you in, in the, the middle of a lake. Park. <laughs> How did you just, get COVID in the middle of a lake? I know. I don't know. That is the issue here at hand. Um, So I'm that reminder here Mm. on COVID-19 Community Conversations that COVID is still circulating. So, Anthony, I'm going to ask that you do most of the talking today. Uh, Happy to do that. You got it. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So with us today, we have two experts from the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. We have pediatrician Dr. Angela Erdrich, who is the Turtle Mountain Band of Ojibwe, and Laz Carrion, a registered nurse who heads the COVID team at the Indian, Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. We have lots to cover, so let's get right to our guests, Buju, Dr. Erdrich, and Laz. Buju, thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Can you give us an overview of what vaccines are available for our young ones? Um, I can start with that question. Uh, This is Dr. Angela Erdrich, and I'm a pediatrician working for the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. I've been working as a pediatrician in Indian country since 1997 and at the Indian Health Board since 2010. The two vaccines for children are Moderna. This is for the six-month to 17-year-old, Moderna and Pfizer. The Indian Health Board carries Pfizer. difference between the two would be for most kids, you know, uh, who are with um, not the immune compromised group of kids, but for most kids, Moderna is two shots and Pfizer is three shots, three doses. And so with a lot of clinics, Indian Health Board and HCMC being examples, we were probably, we were weighing sort of the Moderna being quicker to finish Mm -hmm. uh, the series and be immune, but has a slightly higher side effect profile for myocarditis and pericarditis. But that is, it's still very safe, and actually the risk of myocarditis and pericarditis is higher with COVID disease. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that, Laz? Um, no, um, just however we have seen that there is hesitation in that age group from six months to four-year-olds um, that had been recently approved. And definitely doing our best to make sure that we're reaching out to our community and 
ensure that they have resources available and they know that when they're, they are ready, that they can come in anytime to get their vaccine. Yeah. So obviously the hesitation comes probably from the parent or the caregiver. I seem to remember, though, when I tried to take my kids to get them vaccinated for just sort of like, you know, their their um, immunizations that they need, um, you know, um, under the age of five, all that stuff. I remember I remember taking my kids. I have a vivid memory of this. I took my kids in. I'm such a bad parent. Um, great community, great community hero, but a really, really, Hardly. but a really bad parent around healthcare. He's a parent of the year, hockey dad. <laughs> well, there's that, but around things like staying on breast of vaccines is a really hard thing for me to do because of how busy I am and uh, how busy the kids mm-hmm. are. But I have this vivid memory of me taking them in when they're about to go into kindergarten, right? And they have all those shots they're supposed to take. And I am that dad that failed to like, you know, stay on top of vaccines early in their life, like from like age two to, or maybe three to five. And so when they went to kindergarten, they had to get like four or five shots all at once. And oh my God, it was like, you know, my kids still talk about that actually. And they're 15. They're like, (laughs) (laughs) they remember, the thing is, they remember the four year old ones because they're an age where your memories stick, you know, but for most kids, it's just two. Because there's combination yep, shots for yep. kindergarten shots, and then um, the, maybe the flu shot, and now the COVID yep, shot. Yep. So, you know, potentially it still still could be four if you did them all at once. Yeah. We see that happening a lot um, during the pandemic. A lot of kids are not caught up on their vaccines, and when they're coming in, when they're told that they need all these vaccines, mm-hmm. and saying, "Oh, you can also get the COVID vaccine today," they're like, "Oh, well, they're already getting all these that are required." to start school, I don't want to give them another one since they're getting so many. And parents have to navigate this space. They have to navigate this space with their regular vaccine schedule. But a really crucial thing is like, how do we, um, you know, they're going to be starting school in less than a month. How do we help parents sort of navigate this these uh, issues, this space? How do we help them think through um how how to keep their kids safe within the context of going back into a crowded classroom where you know kids might not not also be wearing masks, right? We heard a lot of the right. a lot of the challenges last year, the last couple of years of just children under the age of you know um, eighteen not being able to sort of use their masks regularly. If you were having a parent come in with their child to see you as a pedi- pediatric visit, like what what might be some of the things you would say to the parent? Well, for one thing, I never would pressure someone to take more shots than they want and in one setting. And I just help them prioritize which ones, you know, are most at risk. The the kindergarten shots are actually the four to six year old shots. So you have a little time, you know, to to get them in. And um I think also with um, you know, there's occasionally kids who just really don't mind. They they don't mind going for all of it, but we generally don't do more than uh, you know, five or six at a time, five or six pokes. I would say more likely people just decide they might come back in a month for the next one, you know, which is fine. Anything else you want to add to that, Lav? Uh Yes. Uh, so Dr. Erdrich is absolutely great at talking to parents when they're coming in for a well child check, uh, letting them know, hey, you're here ready. We do have the code vaccine. I can see that uh, your child has not received uh, their COVID vaccine because we review uh, MIC, all their immunizations. And just having that convenience and uh, Dr. Erdrich, like she said, not pressuring, but uh, letting them know, hey, uh, 
you can get this here today. We can have someone come down right away. And just making sure that educating uh, our patients that the virus is almost certainly here to stay. It's definitely not going away. It's definitely still spreading. Variants are continuing to emerge and ensuring that uh, they are taking all the steps possible to ensure that they're safe. Um, what we have seen with BA5 is it may not be as severe as previous variants. Um, however, another wave is all but inevitable as new variants continue to mutate and are going to compete for dominance. We're currently seeing six months and just providing education and uh, letting them know that we're confident in what we're talking about. We're confident in what we're, the information that we're providing them. And kids have uh, experienced, you know, they're going back to school, but COVID is just one of the of things that are affecting kids right now, kids, you know, because of the pandemic, kids have experienced a lot of losses, disruptions, the health disparities that are just visible to them, you know, like uh, maybe their life, they're seeing that their family was, you know, a lot of Native families been very protective of their kids and, you know, quarantining somewhat for long periods of time and maybe choosing not to go out to public spaces. And then you see some, you know, it doesn't take much to look around and see not everybody's doing what your family has done. And, you know, I know I, my kids, we've been very strict about what we do. So the kids see those disparities, kind of social disparities. Uh, they've been in social isolation somewhat. So we're finding developmental issues that need to be addressed. And we have a basically uh, mental health crisis going on. It, there's just so many yeah, things sure. that kids are going through right now. And um, getting vaccinated is one, one thing you actually have control over is to get vaccinated against COVID to reduce your uh, severity of disease. So that's uh, at least something that, you know, you can look at it that way. It's, it's harder to have control over all these other variables in our lives right now. Yeah, that's actually really very great. Um, a very great point. I think myself as a parent, um, not even necessarily of wee ones, right? I'm I'm a parent of um, 15 year olds going into 10th grade. Um, I just had a conversation with my son yesterday about this because um, he looked at his class schedule and, of course, instantaneously had some anxiety. He says, um, "Oh, I got to be in algebra again," and I was like, "Yeah, that's because you didn't do very well last year, and so you got to do some makeup stuff this fall." And he was like, <clears throat> "I hated algebra." It was overcrowded. There were 40-some kids in that class. You know, none of yeah. them wore masks. They were all coughing and hacking all of the time. And he said it really distracted his ability to sort of kind of pay attention in the classroom and to, you know, stay focused on his work. Yeah. And, and a lot of times he got so anxious that he just darted out of the room, went to the bathroom and or went to the nurse's office with a you know, quote unquote headache and, and would spend, you know, the major part of the, of the day there sometimes. And so part of it is, is like, how do we help our kids and our parents understand like this, you know, getting a vaccine, while it might not prevent you from actually getting sick or you, your child from getting the COVID, it's likely to not be as severe as, um, as it would be if it, they didn't have the vaccine. And that's that's something that you can probably more than 
And what's the confidence level? I think yeah. something like 90% um, efficacy. Um, be sure that that's not going to be something that's going to interrupt your daily life. That's a great point, Dr. Staley, because a lot of people say, why should I get a COVID vaccine if it's not going to prevent me from getting COVID? I know this person who's vaccinated, this person who had a booster, this person who has tested positive. And it's reminding, educating people, if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, studies have shown it doesn't progress into severe disease. Despite symptoms not being severe, there is still negative health consequences by getting COVID. Um, individuals are gonna, who test positive risk losing time from work. If they have to stay home, they risk spreading the virus to others in the household, individuals who may be immunocompromised, someone who may develop worse symptoms than they would if they feel that they're not high risk. Um, but just ensuring them that, yes, it is possible that you can get COVID, but it's definitely going to reduce the severity of the disease. Yes, definitely. Uh, I was going to say, like, uh, you did really hit the nail on the head about how this whole pandemic has been really alienating for some families, particularly Native families, because a lot of us live in multi-generational houses or <laughs> homes where we visit our elders a lot. And um, so we're very oriented towards protecting other people. And then you see, you know, your classmates just living their best life, not really caring about the math. It's like, you know, very alienating. And I feel like um, even confusing for them and having to defend why they're being more cautious. Uh, my kids have been through that a lot, you know, like, oh, we're going to visit my grandmother this weekend. That's why we can't have a sleepover or that kind of thing. And, um, you know, and also kids who are in a situation where their parents can't afford to take off work. So, their parents, you know, sadly had to limit them in ways that hurts them too. And, um, you know, school should provide a routine. It should be a safe place and it should be a place where kids feel good. And I think that's one thing we have to do is like help kids feel good at school sometimes. Mm -hmm. I really always um, introduce people to Minneapolis Indian education. Each city and suburb has an Indian education. Uh, group and they're just so welcoming and wonderful to all the families in the Minneapolis public schools and they'll really go beyond the call of duty and really a labor of love to make Native kids feel that they are at home in the Minneapolis public schools. Yeah, great point. Great point. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Today we're talking about back to school, vaccines, boosters, and more. And we are joined by Dr. Angela Erdrich and Laz Carrion, a registered nurse from the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. What, in your opinion or your perspective, are some of the obstacles that we have in our community that um, prevent us from having consensus about what to do, um, how to prevent or reduce the spread of COVID-19? So um, thank you for asking this question about obstacles to preventing and reducing the spread of COVID-19. It's just there's such a lot of variability about um, who's trying to prevent it. You know, you go into different areas of the um, public and sometimes you see, it seems like people are taking no precautions whatsoever. Uh, it just seems to be individual decision-making in a lot of ways. 
um, some people have given up on their vigilance, but then in my circle of friends and people, places I go, people are still being very vigilant and doing what they can do. I think um, just all these mixed messages are pretty difficult for that um, people are giving off and receiving and the variations in vigilance within rural and urban communities and different sub-communities. So I, I guess like um, sometimes my thought process turns to preparing for COVID, you know, like that's one one area that we can do better with people to prepare your family members who may be at higher risk. So I've really recommended to countless people like to try to figure out um, where you can get Paxlovid, which is the oral antiviral, which is from people with mild to moderate symptoms, age greater than 12. There's no shortage of it. There's no priority list or anything like that. The main issues are there's medication interactions and sometimes people have to, they can't take it, but um, sometimes they can, but just have to stop some of their medicines for a few days. And so I've told people, you know, make a, prepare in advance, make appointment with your providers to see if you're a Paxlovid candidate and then you'll be ready for it. And I've even had, you know, through Facebook or whatever, like just dozens and dozens of people contacting me because they're on vacation or something. They're like, how can I get Paxlovid? I'm off in a different part of the world or whatever. And I was like, you know, your doctor can, if you make a call to them, they can actually prescribe it to another area of the country. We can prescribe across state lines just so people have a plan in advance. You know, a lot of CVSs, especially 24-hour CVSs have the medicine. Indian Health Board has the medicine, uh, Paxlovid. The other thing is that people that I found that people are not aware of is if they have, are immune compromised, moderate to severe immune compromised, they can go on Evusheld, which is it's a pre-exposure prophylaxis that covers for six months. You have to be uh, 12 years old and 88 pounds to get that um, two shot series every six months. So these are things people don't know about. And um, maybe it will, um, since we're having a lot of trouble controlling our exposure, even people being very careful, you know, that um, try to plan for your loved ones and yourself. The other thing is I really promoted um, KN95 masks. That's what I wear to the grocery store. That's what I wear at work. And if I were a teacher or whoever who did not want to get COVID, I would get those. We, we've even given those out in clinic here. Um, also having a lot of tests at home. Indian Health Board does have tests available. You can also do them MDH hotline, which is 1-833-431-2053 to get rapid antigen tests sent to your home. So prepare yourself uh, so it's not a shock if someone, you know, despite the best of their their efforts, does get COVID. Got it. That's really great advice. I think that, um, you know, my own personal experience of getting COVID and having, um, you know, and having and ending up at the hospital, my son's um, got it first and I got it and I ended up in the hospital. I was like not well prepared at all. Ironically, you know, people think mm-hmm. that people who work in healthcare are like some of the most... <laughs> Um, and, and a lot of us are, but I just happen to be like one of those persons that doesn't plan very well around those kinds of things. But 
you know, having, having the ability to be able to know like, oh, okay, um, I have this condition and these medications I take now might have a uh, negative yeah. interaction with Paxlovid. Um, uh, knowing that ahead of time is really helpful because then you can have a conversation with your doctor, right? And you can plan to drop off the medication for the period of time that you need to take Paxlovid if that's something they feel confident that you can do. Those are all really great recommendations. It's kind of fast. Track, yeah, kind of fast track the situation, and also we have a pharmacist here who's helped people figure out their uh, dosing. That's awesome. Figure out their figure out their Paxlovid plan. Paxlovid plan. Yeah. And sorry, quick question about Paxlovid because I was just looking into it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I saw that you also have to have a risk factor for severe COVID as a qualifying part of being uh, prescribed. I'll say with Paxlovid, uh, it's if um, you're um, moderate to high risk uh, in individuals, uh, if they're smokers or previous smokers, if they're overweight, there's many different factors that play into a risk category. And um, so it's up to the provider who's going to be prescribing the medication. And the biggest thing with it is, is there medication interactions? And it, it's a great medication. Uh, we see it working within 24 to 48 hours where people have a complete turnaround of their symptoms. And like Dr. Erdrich was saying, it has to be taken within the first five days of symptom onset. And someone does have to have some symptoms to take it. Mm-hmm. But it has been a great medication uh, that has helped a lot of people. Yeah, I would think that one of the um, one of the potential obstacles we might have. Um, that's why I mentioned that it's such a great idea that you sort of um, introduced this idea, Doctor Erdrich, of just sort of kind of being COVID ready, COVID, um, you know, at at the ready, have all the supplies that you need, which would include tests. I'm seeing and hearing a lot of my own relatives. Um, not um, like get getting symptoms, you know, like maybe they think it's allergies or maybe they think it's just a mild cold. Um, so they they don't have a lot of tests. So maybe they take a test the day they start to feel a little bit under the weather and then that test is negative. So then they'll sort of kind of wait a few days um, to take another test because they might only have two or three that they have the ability to take. Um, and some people aren't showing up positive until like, you know, the the fourth, fifth, seventh day of being, you know, under the weather. And so engaging that two to five day period is a really challenging um, uh, way to figure that out. If you, if, if you, if you don't test positive or you don't have the ability to test every single day from the day that you start feeling sick first. So that's, I think one of the things, how, 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 could you, what advice would you give to a parent or to anybody in the community that is sort of contending with that issue? Like not having enough testing supplies, not having enough uh, of, a, of a trajectory to be able to meet that two to five day window. Uh, number one, I'd say, you know, get the tests in advance. We have them at Indian Health Board. You can also get them at the MDH hotline uh, and government websites. You can send them in the mail. Uh, and then if in a home test that's positive is reliable, but a negative one, if you're if you're concerned, you can go get a PCR or a the China test that we do at Indian Health Board, um, which is a, a NAAT test, which is like close to a PCR amplified 
molecular test. And um, it's just more accurate than a home test. So if negative tests at home and you're still really concerned, I would go get a more accurate test. Awesome. At a clinic or uh, like the PCR or the NAAT test. Yeah. Dr. Stately. Um, go ahead. Uh, something that you just mentioned uh, about a negative test. Uh, what we've seen happen a lot is an individual will either test at home or test in the clinic uh, because they started having some symptoms and they're negative. And they're like, oh, I'm negative. And regardless of if they get more symptoms, they're like, I tested already. I'm negative. I think the important thing for people to know is just because you're negative today does not mean you're going to stay negative. There needs to be a high enough viral load to make the test detectable. And so just important thing, like you were both mentioning, continue to test. Uh, there are many resources out there for individuals who can um, go purchase a test or don't have don't know where to get tests. Uh, we have them here at Indian Health Board uh, and contact MDH. But continue to testing. This pandemic is not over and ensure that you stay safe. Testing is really, you know, at, at some point we have to realize like testing is a sign that you care about your community because you, you may not be, you feel might feel like you're not that sick, but, you know, r- really testing is something that helps everybody and make, you know, because you'll know who you might've been in contact with and who around you is at risk. So thank you people for everybody for testing. Thanks to everybody for testing more often and as needed. Yeah, and more consistently. Um, I think one of the things that's really important to mention here as well is like there are free tests available, but you also almost every single drugstore carries tests over the counter at home testing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those tests are either going to be covered by your insurance plan if you have health insurance and or at least reimbursable through that process. So at home testing is more widely available today than it was a year ago. So. Mm-hmm. The sooner you test positive, the sooner you can get out of uh, isolation. Hey, there's a positive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that's a pun, right? So the sooner you test positive, yeah. a positive is, is that you also could get out of isolation and return to your normal activities yeah. faster. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, any other thoughts or um, uh, recommendations you have to... Um, parents and kids as they return back to school other than have a great new um you know a year in school and um work hard and make your ancestors proud um i wanted to say that uh so for all these um kids who are or parents who are making back to school visits like try to get the most that you can out of it mm. and you know for me for instance we try we try to have all the forms on hand for kids who need to take medications at school mm-hmm. like asthma inhalers or whatever if they have um, their EpiPen for uh, food allergies. So we have all those papers right on hand to, so that they don't have to, it's not an afterthought and they have to contact us again or sports physical. Like being in sports is so important for kids and, you know, like there should we want to reduce barriers for kids to be in sports. So along with a well child, I'll often say, hey, are you going to do sports? I'll do a sports physical. And then uh, another thought I had is just like, you know, the things that throughout this whole pandemic, there's, it's just been such a moving target and things that we say they could change by, you know, like in a month, but we're trying our best to give accurate representation today. You know, Indian Health Board, I'm really proud and of NAC, the Native American Community Clinic and Indian Health Board for really being community oriented. Like I've 
I've seen Dr. Staley out there like serving meals to people. Huh. You know, what a beautiful person he is. And everything he does is just an example of um, what a, one individual can do to help their community. So I'm proud of our both of our clinics for everything mm. they've done for the community. And Laz and, and, and Dr. Staley are seriously two of my personal heroes during this whole pandemic. You're amazing. No, well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I appreciate those kind words. Well, thank you both, uh, Dr. Erdrich and Laz, for joining us today from the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis in this great community conversation we had today about you know COVID nineteen, uh, the continuing saga of that and managing that, and you know as children go back to school, helping parents think through like how to navigate that space. What a great conversation we had! I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And thank you for listening today, Chimi Gwich. I'm Anthony Stately. And I'm Leah Lem, Gigawabaman, and I wish you health. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.